the One Two Football Podcast. The voices of tomorrow here today. Is Dean Smith the man to take Aston Villa forward? I don't think so. Why can't Everton break into the top four? Oli Gunnar Solskjaer will lead Manchester United to a Premier League title. He just needs time. Hey guys, welcome back to the One Two Football Podcast. I'm Nathan. Today we're talking all about our post-January predictions for the Premier League season. As usual, I'm here with Ollie and Kieran. How are you guys? I'm good. It's been feels like we've not done this in so long. So I imagine we're going to have some slip ups or something. But now nah, I'm good to be back. And well, actually, it's fair. I was going to say it's been a good transfer window, but United have done nothing. I mean, they got rid of Martial, but apart from that, they've done absolutely nothing. So on my side, it's been pretty crap. Wait, wait, wait for me to follow that. I mean, the first 28 days was pretty bad, but you know, post that, it actually went quite well for for Spurs. And you know, maybe I've, I've included a few players or predictions from from those last few days in in this episode now. But to be honest, I'm just happy to be back doing this. So it's always good fun to see what other people think as well as me and comparing it, and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm I'm ready to ready to crack on with this. Yeah, it's it's been a weird window because that. Some clubs, especially in the big six, there's not been a lot of activity in general when there was quite a few flaws in those teams. But there's been some clubs that have been real active in, in the transfer window. And maybe that might play a part. It's, it's just so you guys know, we're going to do what team we expect to be really good. Come come the, um, <laughs> Can't speak, you tell me I've done this in a while. <laughs> um, second half of the season. So who we think is going to really impress, who we think is going to struggle, who we're perhaps worried about. And we're going to do the same thing for the players. And that's going to be more... I feel like, for me at least, it's be more based on the on the transfers that have happened in January. Who we think is going to shine, who we think is going to flop, and, and whether they're a good fit for their teams. So, I mean, let's not waste any more time, Kieran. What team do you oh. think is going to really impress in the second half of this season? Um, it's it's a it's subjective in a way, and it might be a bit of a bold one, but uh, I've based it on the fact that. Not that they're necessarily going to have a good second half of the season, like very good. I just think it's going to be way better and for obvious reasons, in in my mind anyway. So um, I've gone for Everton, who I think will do much better um, in the second half of the season. Obvious ones are Donny van der Beek and Deli Alley coming in on uh, transfer deadline day. But I, I, as important as those players will be, um, I think, if I'm being honest, probably their biggest acquisitions in the managerial department um, in, in getting Frank Lampard as manager. I know that the end of his time at Chelsea was a bit tainted, but you have to remember that he had a mm, average squad, really, the previous season, and he managed to get into the top four, and then the big money signings came, and then people questioned, oh, is he out of his depth? Is he, is he certain things like that? But what I don't doubt about Lampard, uh, similarly to Gerard, is he's a very good man manager. I think he can take maybe those players who are slightly low on morale, not getting game time, and can turn them into very good players, or, or not turn them, but let them rediscover their form. And I think Donny van der Beek and Deli Ali are arguably the two most important examples of players with ability who have struggled for whatever reason. Um, so. I'd imagine that Delhi and Van, Van, Van Der Beek would do very well this second half of the season, along with, you know, Richarlison. We know how good he is. Um, Abdoulaye Decore, I'd, I'd imagine that he will do quite well as well. I think that, that midfield area is actually looking quite strong for, for Everton now. And with Lampard, you know, one of the greatest goal-scoring midfielders of, of our generation there at the helm. I mean, 
you'd, you'd back a few of them to, to potentially reach double figures for goals. Um, so I, I'm not expecting them to blow anyone away, but a top half finish between 8th and 12th, I think when you consider the first half of the season would be a good building block for them, especially if their their plans are, are to kind of build around Lampard long term. They were one of the ones I was debating, to be fair. Sorry, Nathan. They were one of the ones I was debating, to be honest with you. I, I was I don't know, and I was like, could they actually disappoint in a way? Like, have, are we expecting a lot of them? And then I went, you know what? I am going to put them in the, the ones to improve on. Because, I mean, it can't get drastically worse. I mean, they weren't terrible, terrible, but they weren't great. And I think the thing you said with Gerard and Lampard is the fact that they were so vocal in whatever teams they were at when they were players. In the dressing room, they were such big presences and sort of their voice was probably one of the loudest in that dressing room. So I think that carries over into the style of manager that they have become. And I think it will definitely be interesting to see how Lampard gets on, especially with the acquisitions of Donny van der Beek and Deli Ali, as you mentioned. Yeah, I don't think they can particularly get much worse than they are. I mean, I was just looking how far they off the relegations and they're only four points away from Newcastle, albeit with a game in hand. But I mean, they, they were so bad. They were absolutely turgid. Um, for most of the first half of the season. It was such a bad fit with Rafa, considering his, his past. And I remember, I think we came on here maybe in September and were like, could Everton get top six? They look pretty impressive, but they, they just really have struggled. And it didn't click with Rafa Benitez. Like, my only worry with Everton, I actually almost put them in my team to, to struggle, maybe not go down, but to stay amongst that sort of relegation pack, was just what's going on above the football pitch, if that makes sense. Um, with the, the uh, discontent towards um, Mashiri and, and Bill Kenwright, that that might have a bigger effect on the pitch because it's quite toxic at Goodison at the minute. And so that might have, we've seen it before with, with those sort of big ownerships, bad ownerships, sorry, and it, and it just starts to go wrong. But on a football pitch, judging off the last day, I've, it's been some pretty impressive recruitment, to be fair. Frank Lampard, I think, is a decent manager. Obviously, this is a real big test for him and whether he can do it at that level continue to obviously maybe have to drop down. I think Lampard did pretty well at Chelsea. And I think one good thing is that how he had the strikers at Chelsea, we always went with Tammy Abraham or Giroud, it felt like. And those are big strikers, big tall strikers. And who's Everton's best player? The big tall striker, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So if he can start to get the best of him, then I mean, if you've got a goal-scoring striker and you're in amongst that relegation, you're going to be all right and you're probably going to stay up quite convincingly. So, well, I don't necessarily think they'll, they'll fly fly out the blocks. I think they've put some good business in. And um, Calvert, if Calvert-Lewin can get firing and you have Richarlison um, alongside him doing really well, then then it's only a good thing for Everton. And I, I hope Frank Lampard does well because he seems like seems like a life. But obviously, I love the Lampard transition into into serious in any interview. So I, I hope he smashes it. But I'm not I'm not sure about Everton yet, just because of what um, is above Frank Lampard and the team. I mean, you mentioned, obviously, that we talk about Lampard. I'll go with my team too well. I've done the other one that we mentioned briefly yeah, with Gerard at Aston Villa. They didn't have... I mean, they've they've been gradually getting better, obviously, since the replacement of manager. And I was actually looking. They finished last season in 11th. They're currently in 11th. They finished last season 10 points off of 6th place West Ham. They're currently 10 points off of 6th place Arsenal. So they're actually in the exact same position in terms of by like, 11th and how many points of like top six as they ended. So, but I think the big thing here is the people they've signed. I think Dinier is a great left back. I think obviously he fell out of Everton, but on his day he's great. And Coutinho, they're the two big signs. And I think the that instant impact has been shown in the last two games. One of them has always been man of the match. And I don't think that's a shock. So I think having them two players in that team is really going to push them further up the table, I think. I think 
You look at that squad, and that can get higher than 11th, 100% in my mind. Leicester aren't doing great, so I think they could overtake them. And, you know, West Ham, they didn't make any signings in this window, so maybe that's going to impact them negatively. So I think Aston Villa could really do really well here. But the one thing I am weird, thinks weird is, why have they loaned out Target? I know they bought Indigne, but for squad depth there, I mean, they have Ashley Young that can play left back. But still, I wouldn't have loaned them out. That's the only negative, I think. And with Leeds, Newcastle, Watford, Brighton and Southampton as the next few games, I think that's a good chance to really get farther up that table. No, I agree. That, that's is been... <laughs> it's right in order to know. Um, no, um, I, I just wanted to go first because that's the team I've selected as well. Um, Aston Villa okay. to do well. So I, I, it only made sense for me just to get that yeah, straight away. I agree, obviously, being a big Gerard fan myself in terms of as a player and as a manager, I'm always going to back it. But I think he's shown how, how good he is as a manager. It's not not got all the results that they've wanted. You know, the loss against Brentford was frustrating and they probably should have beat United in the FA Cup, I remember. But you can start to see the real building blocks of his team and, and how he wants to play and the, and the standards he demands. And I think, as you say, the January business has been really good. They've, they've gone for it this year, you know. Uh, maybe the target loan wasn't the best move, but as you as you mentioned, they've got Ashley Young to play left back. I love some of the young players coming through there. Jacob Ramsey is, is some player that I'm not going to say this right, but Chukwuemi or something like that. The one that keeps coming on, he he's um he's been brilliant um as well. Really impressed by him. Also, Callum Chambers is, is a tidy sign that sort of just came out of nowhere. There's nothing wrong with having an extra bit of, of options at the back in terms of your third choice instead of Courtney House. So yeah, I've just been really impressed, and I think. Sort of the way Gerard is as, as a leader, I, I, I can't see them finishing eleventh. I think it's definitely going to be a top half finish for Villa. And you know, if you can get Ollie Watkins back in the goals, and you've got—I mean, you're going to—you're firing him in with Wendia and Coutinho. I mean, can't, he's got, a, and then you've got Leon Bailey to come back in. It, it's going to be a real—you know—Aston Villa could be a real threat to the teams. Not necessarily that will finish top six, but any time they play one of those big teams, you know it's going to be a game. You know they're going to give problems to anyone. So. I think it could be a really good 2022 and and further on than that, obviously, we'll, we'll reach that when we reach that, but further on than that, I think Gerard's really building something at Villa quite possibly, and, and they've backed it, and I think that's the most important thing, and when we probably talk about teams that we think are going to struggle that much, for me at least, that's the key theme, the owners backing the manager and asking for the report into Gerard, and they've backed it, and, and that's what I think they'll do well. Yeah, I think Villa... The reason I didn't maybe go for Villa was more because we've kind of seen Gerard for the last month back in the 2021 and and certain things before that of what he wanted to implement and how well he was doing. So my reasoning from, for Everton was more of a, when you compare the entire of that first half of the season in 2021 to what they have the potential to do now, I think it's going to be quite different. Whereas I think with, with Gerard, I think he kind of, I've already seen and I'm starting to understand just how good he is as a manager and how good Aston Villa can be, including the business that he's done. Um, you mentioned Matt Target there. As someone who lives with an Aston Villa fan and watches a fair few of their games, Target has been hit and miss a bit this season for Villa um, compared to what he's... Him and Matty Cash were always just so solid and you you'd never ask more of them or anything. I think he's kind of suffered from a bit of Dean Smith syndrome, if, if you know what I mean, if you allow me to explain what I mean by that, in that kind of similar to what, to what happened to Lampard is no one really necessarily expected much of Villa, like beyond the top 10 when Dean Smith was in charge, when they had Grealish, but then Grealish went and then they've released this statement of all this money they've got and how they're going to reimburse it and reuse it. 
the results really weren't going Smith's way, and maybe those players who were just, you know, solid. Or you, you think about Esri Concert, Matty Cash, Matt Target. Everyone was like, when they were just kind of doing their jobs, the right thing. Everyone was like, they are really, really good because we did see them as underrated. Because not necessarily it came out of nowhere, but it, they were playing above the expectations we had of them. So I think when you don't maintain those expectations, you can start to struggle a little bit. And I think Matt Target has suffered from that a little bit. Um, hence, the, obviously, the arrival of Luca Dean has probably been a clear message to him that maybe he's lost his spot in the first team, but that there will be that level of competition there because Gerard wants him to probably raise his game as well. And, you know, the loan to Newcastle is, is an interesting one. But at the end of the day, I think it's, it's all about game time. Um, at this point, and he will play. No doubt in uh, what remains to be seen, it could still be a struggling Newcastle team. It will be starting to really, you know, be reinvigorate them. But I do worry a little bit for Matt Target in that he's going to be playing with no disrespect to Newcastle, but less quality players, and he may struggle more. Or it could be the opposite way around, where a, a new place, a new set of teammates, a new coach can kind of reimburse him and bring him back to life to the the player and the level he was at maybe last season um, with Grealish in front of him. But, I mean, I, that that kind of remains to be seen. And that's what's probably exciting about these having these ideas and then seeing how they play out, you know, in a few months' time. It's funny that you mentioned that about your, your houseman being Aston Villa fan. When I was at watching the Exeter game a week or two or two, two or three weeks back, I was actually there with um, an Aston Villa fan and he was really annoyed that they loaned out Target because he thought he had a very good season so far and he, he didn't understand. He said it was going to be with, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Dinier becomes straight in because he actually really likes Target and said that Target's actually had a, a good last few games. So saying that your you're Aston Villa fan was a bit un and on about him. This guy really didn't want him to sort of leave or not get dropped anyway. I don't think I don't think my guy wanted him to leave necessarily. I think it was more just as I mentioned, you play at this consistent consistent level and you're just getting better and better. And then maybe the performances dip slightly. That's not like me saying that he's a bad player or that he's struggling. It's just where he once was with those performances, it's now slightly lower. And maybe that's why a few people would notice it and question well, what's going on there, sort of thing. But I think it, it maybe it's down to perspectives. Yeah, um, and how how you view it. I was going to say because this like my my uh, my dad's mate was just didn't want him to be dropped because he thought he was having one of the best seasons he's had. I mean, I don't agree with that logic. I think he did a lot better last season, but I can understand his point of view of being interested to see where Dinya comes in. But I'm a massive fan of of Dinya, and I think his recent yeah. performances have have proved it. Especially one of his first games going against Everton, it probably felt great for him to, especially with his hatred for them probably now or or not lack of love. Let's say it would have been good for him. Yeah, no, I think Dinya is an objective upgrade on that target. To be honest, he's a better sign. He's a better player, and that's no no shade for Matt's target. I think he'll do well at Newcastle. Um, in, in sort of that, you know, they've, they've strengthened the well. Maybe we'll talk about Newcastle. I don't know. But I assume that at least someone has something to do with it because they've made so much business. But do Newcastle feature on a team you're worried about, Oli? Um, yeah, Newcastle are my team to struggle. <laughs> Newcastle are my team to struggle. Um, now, you can they were the biggest spenders in the transfer window, £93 million. And first of all, I just want to say, I, I, I know who they've signed. You know, Wood, Trippier, uh, Bruno. I'm not going to attempt to say that last, guy's last name. Burn and Target. Now, £93 million seems like a lot of money to spend on them players, first of all. I'm just going to say that. I don't feel like they've got a lot for their money. 
for 93 million pounds. Personally, I don't think they've got a lot, but my biggest worry is with these. No doubt they've made improvements. It wasn't hard to make an improvement in their squad, but no doubt they have made improvements. And you know, whether or not I think it's been that they might have overpaid for some players, they've got better players than they originally had. The thing with me is it takes time to settle in. Okay, it takes time for a team to gel, to get used to, you know, the country, get used to the league. Now, the bonus for this is the fact that Target would burn. They've all played 13 Premier League games at least this season. So they know the country, they know the league. So yeah, okay, it's going to ease some worries about will they get off, get out of, you know, get going straight away. But my thing is they need to know the team. This is five signings they've made, five signings that will probably most likely go straight into that first team. Now, I don't think they're going to have an immediate impact. I think, obviously, it's going to take a few games to get going and to settle in. We saw it with Chelsea at the start of last year when they brought in all those players. They drew to West Brom. They drew to Southampton. They lost to Liverpool. I think they might have also drew to uh, Brighton. It takes time for a squad to gel. And I just do not think right now, in the midst of a relegation battle, they have all that much time to actually start to gel. So I think it could be quite worrying for Newcastle. Everyone's really happy with the signings they've done fair play but I think they're going to be fighting for promotion next season in the championship still they were in a weird position weren't they Newcastle because there was always that caveat of um, championship football to, to those players joining you know a lot of the players they probably wanted really were, were probably just too high and, and there's only so much money you can throw at a player before it becomes too much money and then you just go look I don't want to play in the championship next season I don't you know there's a chance of that so I can imagine they were probably rebuffed a couple of times for for some players and well as you say it wasn't hard to improve that team that Newcastle team is pretty much dreadful outside of um, Wilson and St Maximan and maybe one or two others but they've made clear improvements Dan Byrne I think it's a decent bit of business in terms of an aerial threat from corners they're going to need to get any goal they can get um, also being a Newcastle fan I know that probably doesn't mean a lot but at least there's that passion in there that he's not one of those players that's just joining because of money he's joining because he loves the club and wants to wants to go there and win games and keep them up I think it's just interesting. Newcastle is interesting because I don't know how I don't know how they're going to do. I suppose no one does, but they've signed this Bruno Gumarias. I think that's how you say it. Um, he's meant to be I'm not going to sit here and say I watch Leon um, like all the time, but I've heard he's he's going to be you know he's a Champions League quality footballer, and it's a real coup that Newcastle were able to bring him in. So I'm, I'm really excited to see him play. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Then you look at Chris Wood. I'm not so certain on Chris Wood. I, I was, and then I wasn't. Um, I probably will probably talk about Chris Wood later. Um, Trippier is a great signing, and then Matt Target, as we mentioned, is a decent signing. So there are definitely players there, and obviously Wilson and Saint Maximan are players that are capable of playing in the Premier League and have been for a while. So they're they're in interesting. Position. I, they just need to they just need to tighten up defensive, defensively. That that's the thing. And, and they've, they've tried to address that. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. I don't know what their fixtures are coming up, but it's a real competitive. Now Norwich are back on it. Watford have got Roy Hodgson now. So, so they, they're probably going to become a lot more of a solid outfit as opposed to this team that concedes loads and scores a few. And, and you know, Everton probably won't drop in. I'm not sure if Leeds are going to drop in there, but Brentford, you know, I think the relegation battle is really going to heat up. The only team I can quite loosely say probably will struggle is Burnley, but even then bringing in that new striker, that, that might mean they step. So it's a really interesting position. And 93 million spent just to drop into the championships, a lot of money. I know they have a lot of money. They've spent a lot to, to be in the to possibly be in the championship. So it's going to be a real interesting six months for Newcastle. So I don't know what you think, Kira. I think they've improved their chances of staying up. You know, I, I think the the English narrative is very much when a player comes in, oh well he's not Premier League proven. 
So he needs this this amount of time to gel. He needs this amount of time to learn the language. He needs this, this, this and that. I'm not saying it's excuses. I think there is a large part of it. Like Premier League is a very different league to um, top five leagues in Europe elsewhere. But I think out of those signings, you know, as we've mentioned, you know, the majority of them have played in the Premier League before. And three of them most recently come from Premier League clubs. So I think they understand um, in that regard. And, and they're not necessarily going to have problems when it comes to adapting to the language. Uh, it's just more of how they bed into the team. Um, I think it helped that a few of those signings were made quite quickly so that you've only just got a few that you wouldn't want all five to bed in at the exact same time. And, you know, I, I would worry a bit if you see the Newcastle team and it's five changes and every player going out is replaced by someone who's making their debut, for example. I think that's where you, you don't want to do that all in one. Um, I will say it now, I do think Newcastle will stay up by the signings they've made. I just think there's enough know-how else in there that they will have the right ideas to, to just about stay up. And I think that the sooner you get Bruno Gomares firing, um, will you'll just reap the rewards because I, I have seen him play a couple of times for Leon, um, and I've always been impressed by his just his ability to read the game. And you know, there's a reason why people are saying that all these top European clubs are after him, and you know, Arsenal are interested as well. And yes, Arsenal aren't quite the powerhouse they once were, but you know, they still have that attractability. I'd argue. Um, so for him to pick Newcastle over them maybe suggests that the project that was bestowed upon him was enough to convince him. Um, obviously, part of that project is remaining in the Premier League. Whether they do that or not, obviously, remains to be seen. But I think they've given them the best chances of doing that by their recruitment. You know, I, I, I think not only does, as has probably been mentioned countless times now, as Wood's been there for a while, but not only did it improve your strike force, it, it weakens another one. You know, it remains to be seen how their course does. Um, there's no doubt he's, he's a goal scorer, but again, you do you do potentially question the, the league and the culture of adaptability of whenever a European player comes over. Sometimes they come right in and, and they just thrive and they look completely at home. Other times, they don't settle at all despite being there for 18 months, two years. So it's it's all a question of hindsight, really. But, you know, if I was a betting man, um, I, I probably would edge Newcastle to stay up. You mentioned the, um, Nathan mentioned he didn't know what their, their next few games were. I've got it up in front of me. It's Everton, Aston Villa, West Ham, Brentford and Brighton. So they're not, there's none That's of the huge. big six, but yeah. these are games which they need to start That's picking nice. up points. There'll be nine points at least. They, they've got, but I mean, Ever, Newcastle Everton, the, the first game, that's going to be a really interesting one. Um, against Aston Villa, you know, I'd, I'd argue Aston Villa will probably do it quite easy there. West Ham, you know, obviously they're doing quite well, or really well actually this season. Brentford, you know, they need to be probably picking up points then. And obviously against Brighton, Brighton have been pretty decent as well this season. So it's, I mean, a lot of mid-table teams have done quite well this season. I mean, Wolves are starting to pick up as well now. So it's going to be the really standards hard. improved, I think, of those mid-table teams. You know, when you look at... I don't know whether it's because certain big six clubs have maybe declined slightly, but you know that you look at some fixtures now and, you, and you're like, oh, they could, they could cause a problem there, you know. And upsets are more likely to happen now. I feel so that's why maybe we look at games away to like Southampton, West Ham, Aston Villa, um, Brighton as oh, take a point because these managers are improving their teams, you know, whether that be through the youth setup. I mean, look at what Ralph Hasselbeagle is doing, you know. If I'm being totally honest, 
four or five players in that Southampton team before they played Spurs. I'd never heard of them. Uh, and there were moments when they were comfortably the better team. So I think it just goes to show that, you know, these teams are perhaps going under the radar with who they're picking up, who they're developing. Um, or it could just be a, a steep decline of certain teams that were maybe considered powerhouses where you look at the next four games and you think anything less than 12 points is a disappointment. You know, it's, it's that kind of balance that, you know, you wonder whether it is those lower teams improving or those higher teams, you know, equaling out a little bit. Who with you this guys have got I'll, I'll go first just because it's going to go into another point I was going to make just then. The league's kind of split up into into three, isn't it, really? We've got the top three teams. You've got the teams going for Champions League. I mean, Wolves are only four points off United. I was just looking at that then. And then you've kind of just got the rest that are kind of battling out. For, for Not obviously, well, most of them are comfortably at the table. Then you've got the relegation. My team that I, I'm I'm a bit worried about, and, it, and it, I like the team. I hope that I want them to do well, and I want them to, to even try and get Champions League. But it goes back to a point I made about Aston Villa, Stephen Gerrard. It's about backing your manager. It's about backing the owners, backing the manager. And West Ham have not been backed. David Moyes has not been backed one bit. And that's a team that doesn't have a lot of squad depth. And that's why I'm, I'm worried about them. It's, it's just, again, I think I brought this point up um, earlier in the season and they still haven't addressed it. They've not got much depth whatsoever. I mean, you know, you, your subs are people like Masuaki who aren't bad players, but you, you're trying to get to Champions League here. You know, so I, I just worry about West Ham and just that late rounds of Europa and struggle, and then just and their, their form has been a bit hit and miss as of late. Obviously, they've still got some absolutely fantastic players. I mean, Jared Bowen has been in some incredible form as of late. You know, for me, should be in the England team. That's how good he's been. But it's just squad depth. It all is is squad depth. And, and and you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these players are just super fit and they're able to to get through it and get through it. But you get a few injuries, and all of a sudden that team looks a whole lot weaker. And, and you, you kind of, I actually feel bad for David Moyes because I'm sure he's looked at players and gone, oh, I want him, I want him, I want him. And, and the owners, whoever in whoever's in charge of that, will just say, nah, we, we're not doing it. Or they, or they come with a bad offer and they're just not able to get the players they want. I mean, Suchek's close to sign a new deal, I think, which is good news. But again, it's not a new face. So that, that's why I worry for, for West Ham. It's just a case of the owners not backing the manager. I do think it's weird when I saw that they'd make made no deals. We did say early in the season, I mean, I think you said when we did our prediction for the start of the season, you thought they were going to weren't going to do great because obviously they're, they're in Europe as well, but they're fifth place at the moment. Granted, they've played more games than, than the, some of them below them, but I think the weird thing is when you, you look at West Ham now, they're in fifth place. That is fantastic for West Ham. Surely you've got to, you know, see, we're probably not going to be this high at the end of the season. Let's make the most of where we are right now. Let's draw players to our club because we're fifth right now and we can boast about that and say, look, you're coming into a project. We've got a good manager behind us. We have a good basis of a team. We need more depth, you know, come in, fight for your place, push the good players in the team onto the bench. Because I always think you should strengthen your first team and then you just, you're, so you don't just get a, you know, a backup player. I never see the point in signing a backup player. Strengthen your first team, put what is a good player onto your bench and so on. So I don't feel like they've made the most of the strong position they're in right now because fifth place, that's incredible. But can they keep it up? I am not sure, like you say, that they haven't got great depth. This this flows in quite nicely because I'm also selecting West Ham with my team <laughs> to struggle. Um, literally for every reason Nathan outlined as well. I You know, I think we referenced this at the start of the season of... You know, I think when we did our table predictions, um, I'm pretty sure I put West Ham 10th or 11th. Um, so they've massively yeah. surpassed me. I, I put them 12th. So they've massively <laughs> surpassed me there. I, I don't think they're going to finish as low as 12th, but I do think they're going to reach those later stages of the Europa League. They, they got through the group pretty comfortably. Um, 
and you you do look at Ben Rama, um, Lanzini, Fornals, uh, Bowen playing in those creative roles. Lanzini's taken up a more deeper role as well. You know, when you have those depth graphs where you show what players are in each position, you know, you've uh, those front line ones. You've got Yarmolenko and Vlasic, who you know really is as yet to to stake a claim for for a, a major role in the West Ham team. You know, you you look to your bench for players who can impact the game. You want to have a group of 15, 16 players where you think, if that person's injured, I can throw that person in. And I just don't think West Ham have that. I think they've coped well with their defensive injuries um, in having both Ogbonna and, I want to say, Kurt Zuma out injured. You know, Dawson and Diop have played an awful lot recently for them. Um, but as, as Ollie pointed out, I think quite rightly, take advantage of where you are at the moment. Not only to attract new players, but to keep the current ones. Because I think we all know that Declan Rice has a higher ceiling than West Ham Football Club. Um, I am a massive fan of Declan Rice. I think he's a brilliant footballer. Um, and I don't see him staying at West Ham, not necessarily much longer, but, you know, the way things go, you know, if I'm Rice, I want to be able to say, I want to be able to look around me in the dressing room and think, yeah, we've got a squad capable of reaching those standards. I don't think they do have that. I think they have a starting eleven capable of reaching those standards, but it's not about the 11 players you've got. You want a group, you want a core, you want to build that culture in the right way. And I just... I worry that West Ham, as much as they want to have that, they, they don't have that. And I, I watched the game where they played a quite a depleted Leeds squad um, a few weeks ago. And Leeds were, were very, very good. But they, they were quite lethargic, you know, West Ham. You know, the same players that perhaps getting in this rhythm of not expecting easy results. But if you don't put it all in, then things will go wrong. Leeds had two players taken off in, in the first half, despite being 1-0 up at the time. You know, I, I I wouldn't question the mentality of a professional footballer, but there, there's got to be that part of your brain that thinks they're here for the taking. And, you know, perhaps you maybe underestimate that challenge. And, and if you do that, you know, it's the Premier League, you'll, you'll be made to pay. I worry that the depth that they don't have will potentially come back to bite them. You know, I'm still expecting a high finish, but I don't think they will achieve European football unless they win the Europa League, of course. The mentality that you mentioned there, just jump in quickly. I knew Nathan was going to, so I jumped in. The mentality <laughs> thing is there as well, as we say, without the squad depth. Some of those players have got to be thinking, or the vast majority of them have got to be thinking, you know, one poor performance and who are they going to replace me with? You know, if I if I drop a stinker, you know, I ain't going to get dropped. Who, who are you going to bring on? They haven't really got anyone there. So at the big clubs, you know, if at Man City, if you don't perform great, even if you do perform great, fair, Pep loves to change that around. It's probably a bad example. But if, if you get what I mean, with the squad depth behind you, you know, if you don't do great, you're going to lose your, your stake in, in, in the first team. But I don't feel like West Ham really have that threat behind them. So maybe in some games they walk into and they think, you know what, I'm going to be in the, in the squad next game, whatever, just in the back of their mind. I'm not saying that's at like the front of their mind, but in the back of your mind, you've got to have that sort of thing that, you know what, you're not playing to remain in that team because that's not much of a threat behind me on the bench. Yeah, I, I almost just feel bad for, for West Ham fans, to be honest, because these... At the moment, the way I, I see the investment, and I could be really off with this, but this just looks like it's going to be kind of the glory years. You have four, three or four years or, or two years, even where you're pushing Champions League and you, you didn't quite reach it, but you, you know you, you enjoyed going to West Ham every week and all that. This, The team that they have, and Dave, David Moyes in charge, this has more to be than just the glorious. This West Ham could establish themselves as, as a real threat to the top six at any point, but they're just not investing. They're not putting the foundations in to build long term. 
they're not putting in the foundations to build short term, let alone in terms of just having enough depth to, to have some real success. I'm sure West Ham fans would love a trophy, but do they have the team that can go out and perform in the cups? You know, I know you're normally rotating them, you know, so unless they do win Europa League, they're, they're not going to enjoy that. And then it, it has a case of where they just sort of slowly, once again, fall down, fall down. And then you sort of go back up, do get into a vicious circle of kind of, Oh, here we go. A couple signings. Now look how the good team is. And then you start to lose those players. They get picked off. You don't replace them. And then, you know, you end up back in mid-table again. So I, I hope West Ham can, can get it, can hopefully get some investment in the summer. I'm sure, I actually think they still might finish in the top six. I, I don't see Champions League football, but I can definitely see a sixth place, fifth place finish for them. Maybe it might have to be Conference League, but I mean, it's still Europe. It's still an opportunity to go out and enjoy as a fan, go to these different games, go to these different crowds and watch your team play. So, you know, I don't think it's not a slight on West Ham that the, the players and, and the management that they might struggle this year. But for me, it's just more on the, on the ownership and, and the lack of investment through January. Now on to the players. Obviously, we spoke about the teams who we we think we're excited by and who we think might struggle. Now on to the players that we're excited by. And for me, as I said earlier, this is sort of based on on the January window because I feel that's the easiest kind of starting point because they're new and, and whether they'll they'll shine or they'll flop. Similar, sort of similar to any signing really. So the player have gone with good. I mean, I think maybe this is a bit not cheating, obviously, but we've already seen this player be good um, as a January edition, and that is obviously Philippe Coutinho joining Aston Villa from Barcelona. I think his impact already was, was kind of plain to see coming on and being a match winner on his first appearance. I can't remember who it was against, or, or no, drawing the game against um, Manchester United. That's it, um, where he came on and just changed the game, and that that's what Coutinho does. You know, he. Shaking yet? What? Because he did it against United or wrong? wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm that was, a, that was a criminal opinion. Oh no, I was, <laughs> I was just shaking my head because I can remember sitting in um, in Prezzo's going two 0 up. Let's go. Check down ten minutes later, and, and we've drawn two two. So I wanted to cry, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was all based on the impact of Coutinho really coming in, and we all know how good he is in the Premier League. You saw it for Liverpool. Maybe he didn't quite fit fit Jurgen Klopp's system, but then. If you're not going to work for Klopp, you know, in, in that sort of... I mean, he, he still did pretty well under Klopp, considering it wasn't a perfect fit. But if you're not going to work with Klopp, who's the second best person to work with? Steven Gerrard, a person who really rated you throughout the short time he was with you as a player, you know, and, and now now he's managing him. And, and again, you talk about great midfielders, we talk about Lampard working with Ali and Donny van der Beek, Coutinho working with Gerrard. I mean, it's a great match and what he can bring to that team is, is just creativity. Obviously, we know, his, we know what he does in terms of getting onto his right foot and, and letting it fly. So and he's gonna. I'm sure he's gonna score at least one of them before the end of the season, where he cuts in and sticks it top corner. And I just think it works really well. Him and Wendy are albeit quite similar players, offer a lot of creativity to that Aston Villa team. And when Leon Bailey comes back, I think, as I say, as I said earlier, Villa are gonna be a real dangerous threat. Now I just think Coutinho was a really good bit of business for, for Aston Villa. And if they, you know, let's say if he does well, I think it's a good place for him to go to kind of end his nightmare spell in Barca. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I don't think they could have found any better solution to, to the Grealish departure, to be honest with you. I think, you know, saying that, if it went the way that like his form was at Barcelona, I'd be saying the completely opposite thing. But so far, it's looked real good. Like you say, it's a, it's a dream match. I know one of the reasons why he went there, I'm pretty sure, was because he wanted to link up with Gerrard. Obviously, he played alongside him. Um, I'm, I mean, I, this is completely off on a tangent. But I'm hearing rumours that Suarez wants to join it so they can be, be a tri trio again. So Imagine. See, we'll see if that happens. But <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, um, it's a great move so far I'm sure it will only get better um, and yeah what better player again to, to replace Grealish everyone that was sad about that you've got Coutinho probably his best in years so far so yeah superb and uh, sadly you have to do it against 
Man U. What a prick. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's right. In the so much was made of his debut and the impact he had. And, you know, Gerard just kind of said, he played it cool and just said, Phil just needs to be loved. He just needs to be somewhere where he's, where he's appreciated and where, you know, he feels like he matters. And you can put, you, you're you not afraid to put an arm around his shoulder and offer that bit of advice. But then at the same time, you can do it the other way where, you know, maybe he needs, not a shouting at, but a grilling, a real, you know, talking to an understanding of what he would want from him to do. Um, so I, I actually think that, that this moves quite nicely on to can I can I with can I go to my player who I some a player who I think uh, needs an arm around his shoulder and someone who appreciate and love him because um, I certainly do. Maybe it's been a bit tainted the last few years, but you know, having read a few posts and videos, uh, I did shed a few tears. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, I do think that Deli Ali is really going to thrive on the Frank Lampard. In it, Deli Ali's your one. What mm. a shock! <laughs> Yeah, you, yeah. Well, you say that. Look at, look at the Liverpool fan picking Coutinho. You know? <laughs> so it's I just I just look at that partnership of Delhi with Frank Lampard, and I just think that it's going to do really well. I saw maybe not the first time that they'd met, but the first on-camera meeting of them that was posted by Everton, and like Frank saying to him, "We got it done," sort of thing. So you you can almost tell that. In the negotiations that he had in the meetings to become Everton manager, I'd imagine that he's looking around in the Prem at players who he wants to have into his squad. Donny van der Beek was one. He was a potential that I thought about who I think will do well. I think he still will do well. I just think that Deli Ali might well rediscover not his best form because, I mean, he was probably the best English youngster uh, breakthrough season wise in the last 10 years, I'd argue. Obviously, I'm a bit biased, but I mean, you, those numbers. My God, he he was on another level. He had that chip on his shoulder, that arrogance about him, but enough that he could maintain it and control it and still be a brilliant player. Um, yeah, he's a bit older now, but I don't think he's lost that knack of arriving in the right time um, to score goals. And, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, what better manager to have than someone who is known for arriving at certain times to score certain goals in Frank Lampard, you know, goal scoring midfielder if there ever was one. Um, I think he perfectly epitomises what Deli Ali can do and what he probably wants him to do. So you, you can't really learn from anyone better. I think he's he's just maybe not going to redefine his game, just a few touching ups and telling him where to be, when to do it, certain things like that. And just kind of similar to what I, I heard with what Brendan Rodgers did to, to James Madison when he went through that kind of dry spell. You know, he, he had a meeting and they went through this deep analysis of where he needs to be when. And, you know, the, the following 10 games, I, he, he was in ridiculous goal-scoring form. I think Lampard's going to have a similar effect on Delhi to, to that effect. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does very well and gets a lot of goals, perhaps more than assists. Um and I haven't even mentioned the fact that, you know, in terms of creative players, you know, Andros Townsend, Damari Gray, Abdullah Decore are all very, Richarlison, uh, all very good players in their own right, but my God, they can put a cross in as well. Um, and I think that's exactly what Deli Ali will thrive on. Someone like Christian Eriksen is exact, the exact example of, uh, of who did that with him at Spurs. Um, and yeah, maybe Townsend and Gray aren't quite prime Eriksen, but, you know, I if you can put a ball in with that quality and you've got someone like Deli Ali there, I, you know, I, he thrives off of chaos in the penalty box and he's normally the main cause of it. You mentioned the creativity of players. I think, I think the key thing, like you've said, though, is the manager. I think there's no surprise that, you know, 
Poch is probably Poch is always come across as quite a nice person. He loved the players. The players loved him, and there's no surprise that his best season, you know, when they got to the Champions League final, and he was a main player. Look at him dreaming back of the good days. He was the main. He was one of the main players there. And then obviously we'll forget about Nuno because was he there? Not really. Uh, but Jose and Conte, you know, quite hard managers, strict managers, and. And he didn't shine. So I think Lampard is going to, you know, put an arm around him, similar to like what you said about Coutinho and Gerrard. And that will probably only do bits for uh, Deli Ali's form and, and his, probably his mentality as well. He, he just needs to be loved. Like you said, there's certain players which you can be strict with and certain players need to be loved. And I think the key here is, is the manager linking up with this player. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it uh, pans out. Yeah, I think with Deli Ali, it might be a case of him needing to kind of have a few words with himself and, and, and sort of work on. I mean, I don't know the guy personally, but you know, it kind of seemed as if he got comfortable at Tottenham, comfortable with maybe not being at his best and thriving. And there was a video that recently kind of went viral on Twitter again. It was um, Jose Mourinho talking to Deli Ali, and Jose Mourinho was was really it was it wasn't like a tip kind of really getting into him. It was calm. It was you know kind of just giving him advice, telling him you know you have to up your consistency or else you're just going to be a moments player. I think was kind of the essence of what he said. And it kind of looked like Dele was going in one ear and out the other, you know, it was maybe he, so I think maybe he got comfortable. So this could be a great move in terms of, I mean, it's even going one or two ways, good or bad. So it's either going to be Dele Ali gets on it and gets back on it and realises, right, I've not got uh, this long career left ahead of me. You know, football is a short career. Let's really nail down and get my, get to my potential and then do better than Frank Lampard. Or it's going to be a case of what does happen to a few players that join Everton where they keep just floating along kind of mediocrity until they end up getting a move to like the Turkish League or something. So I, I'm not. I, I hope it goes well for Deliad because I mean, we all, I remember his was it his debut for England against France where he just and scored a wonder goal. Yeah, the goal against Crystal Palace, obviously one of the best goals in in recent Premier League history. And uh, that there, uh, there's a lot to like about Deliad, but it's just a case of I think him kind of getting his attitude right and and hopefully he's working with the perfect person for them. I mean, you guys have both had you know look back to the past. You've had Coutinho. You've had Deli Ali. As far as I'm aware, uh, Van Veghorst has never played for Manchester United. Um, I hope I said the name right. I was I was um, looking at Talksport for that one. Now look, it's a weird one. You've already said. I know I've said previously it takes time for players to settle in, and I know you've already mentioned him saying it'll be interesting to see how he is. He scores so far one goal every two games, so 0.5 uh, goals per game, which is pretty good. Uh, 115 goals and 230 appearances. I've picked this player. Because I remember watching him in the Euros and actually quite liking him. He looked quite good. He looked like someone, you know, he was a starting striker for the Netherlands. And everyone was a bit shocked by that because, you know, they had other players. And I was surprised. And I watched him play and I quite liked him. He seemed like quite a good footballer. And the main reason here is, I think he is the perfect fit for Burnley. A target man with physical presence and a strong header. Now, what would you replace Chris Wood, with, uh, Chris Wood with, apart from another Chris Wood? It's the ideal player for Burnley. So that's why I think he could do quite well. However, like we've said, it does take time. And I, I don't think it's an excuse to say this. I know you said it could be an excuse for some players, but I do think it takes time to settle in to a new division. It's been seen by quite a lot of players in the past, especially recently. I mean, a lot of Man United players have pure example of that but maybe that's just because you know they're poor signings but anyway but this guy I think if he can get settled I think he could be really well yes the league is a massive step up you're right there <laughs> it's a massive massive step up I think it was Netherlands and Germany you know it's not really been in this like hard of a league and a division and it's especially hard walking into a relegation threatened probably definitely going to go down I'd say Burnley team but 
I think why I've picked this is, is because he's the ideal fit for, for Burnley. If you're looking for a player to fit that system, I think he's the absolute perfect fit for Sean Dyche's team. Yeah, it's, it's the perfect Burnley striker, isn't it? Six foot five, 20 goals last year in the Bundesliga. They needed to replace Chris Wood. I think the combination of Barnes, Vidra and Rodriguez had three goals in in, in, this, in a 67 game or, or something very small. It was only one digit. Um, I, and it, that's not enough to keep you up. You know, if you had Chris Wood in the team and, and he wasn't particularly working, you know, it, it is tough. But this guy is the Burnley striker. Six foot five, as I say, get your crosses in. That's what Burnley do. I, it is exciting to see how we'll get on. And I think if Bernie do end up going down, you know, long term, as long as he stays, he's going to score so many goals in the championship. You know, I've seen championship defenders try and defend crosses. It, you know, it, this is, this is a great player. prime example. Exactly. Mitrovic has got, what, like almost 30 goals and we're, we're just in February. You know, so this if this guy can live up to his potential, Wakehorst can live up to his potential, then that's a real striker that might it might not keep Burnley up because that Burnley team is pretty poor and, and they've, they've struggled, really struggled this season. But there's plenty of games in hand. And I think for Burnley fans themselves, it, it might be a bit of optimism that to, to them to go into the games. And, you know, they didn't quite get everyone they went for. But I know they did try and get some more players than Wakehorst. Didn't quite work out. But that's that bit of optimism that they might need around Turf more to... to to get them back into it and then think, you know, look, we, we've got this new striker. We're not down and out just yet. Two games in hand on on the teams above us. Let, let's do it. So I think it's a great bit of business. And I don't think it was that much money either. Well, I think they, they've made a profit. When, yeah, yeah, they've made a profit on him and Chris Wood. So it's it's really good business from Burnley. I'd, I'd worry if if I was a Burnley fan and we you came out of this January window without replacing Chris Wood. Granted, they have got obviously three strikers at the club, but you know, as as Nathan mentioned, the, the stats kind of tell you what's going on there. Um, so I think it's massive as well for for him to be there now. You know, as Ollie mentioned with his goal scorer ratio, yes, it is a different league, but I think one thing I've I found with certain strikers, and it's it's maybe the minority that this doesn't happen to, but at the end of the day, if you score that many goals, you know you know where the back of the net is. Like, regardless of the league um, or the level, you know, if, with the record that good, yes, there will be an element of settling in and building into the team and certain things like that. But you know how to score goals if you've got over 100 uh, in, a, in a top domestic league. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think he will do well. I don't think he'll necessarily do well enough to keep Burnley up. Maybe it's, I think it's all about whether hits the ground running. I think if, if you can get him on the score sheet with, you know, a couple of goals in his first five games, um, that will be huge to determining Burnley's season because, you know, it's probably the oldest tale in, in football history, like but at least for the Premier League, in that if you don't have a striker that score goals, the chances of you staying up is low. Um, so, remains to be seen, obviously, what will happen, like with all of these predictions, but... I would fancy him to do well. And then, like Nathan said, you know, if, if he wants to stick around and he enjoys it there, then you could quite comfortably see him winning the Golden Boot for the Championship next season, bringing Burnley back. But then, obviously, you do worry about the, the Bournemouth-Norwich-West Brom yo-yo effect um, with the FFP stuff, whether that is sold, probably not. Um, it could be a similar scenario um, in that regard. But... Burnley are kind of like the modern-day Sunderland, where you just think, yeah, no matter how much they struggle, yeah, they, they won't go down, they won't go down. Obviously, Sunderland now in League One. Um, so maybe it is now Burnley's time, but we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to quickly jump in there with my played struggle, because 
everything that Kieran has just said, I think goes fits perfectly with this player because the person I've got to struggle is the person that he's replaced in Chris Wood. You talk about finding the back of the net. Chris Wood has found it 49 times in 144 appearances for Burnley. Now, everyone was making out that he's this, that, and the other. This guy doesn't find the back of the net very often. He's not scored in his past seven Premier League games. All right, and with Wilson out until March, I know he's used to being in a relegation scrap, but all the pressure for gold is going to really come on him. I know you have St. Maximin, but the pressure for your main striker is now all on him. And this guy's not found it, like I said, in the past seven games. He's not found it in a lot of games. I mean, I haven't worked it out, but only 49 goals and 144 appearances. That, it's roughly around 100 games that he's not scoring in, which for me, for your main striker, is really poor. And for £20 million or £25 million or whatever it was, I think that's ridiculous to be paid for someone that is also, I think he's, what, 29, 30 years old? So I just think it's quite a poor signing, really. And I honestly think that Burnley have probably got a better alternative in there. So that's mine. A bit of a, a, bit of a really harsh one on Chris Wood there. So apologies, mate, if you're listening. But I just think that he's been a pretty rubbish signing and I, I don't think he's going to do very well. Just player I've got to struggle, Chris Wood. Yeah, I think go. obviously it's his, the, the fee isn't his fault. I actually think Chris Wood was very good for Burnley in terms of you know over ten goals each season. You know, not he was always a, a figure in the top ten goal scorers in the Premier League. So he's a man that can find the back of the net. That Burnley team was built around his strengths. It was built around that you know the hold up play and the fact that he can get in the box. Eddie Howe, Newcastle, Eddie Howe's Newcastle team. I'm not sure if it, that's the exact same thing. So I do worry about the fit, whether it's a good fit for him. And and they've spent a, they have spent a lot of money at him. And well. Well, we get to see how good Weghorst is. And, you know, I, I probably agree with the fact that seems, at least on paper, a better replacement, a better player than, than Chris Wood. So I, I just worry that if Wilson and St. Maximan get injured, which, they, you know, they have history, that the goals solely relies on Chris Wood and a team that might not be built for him to thrive. So it, so it is, is that thing. And Newcastle have a real a worry, not a worry, but this could be a problem if they just bring players in to bring them in. They have to have players there that, that fit or else they're just going to turn into Everton. Everton, you know, they love to have just kind of a bunch of players that are, are good, but no real system of playing. It's going to, it could be the same thing for Newcastle. So, well, I don't think Chris was a bad striker. I think, you know, his, his contributions to Burnley have been huge. It was, it was a reason why they've been able to stand the Premier League for so long. But I, I just think that it's not built for him, this system. And, you know, he'll score a couple goals but whether he'll score enough to, to make a meaningful impact if and it probably all sort of leans on the fact whether he can build a partnership with um, Callum Wilson and if he can do that then you know it will turns out it'll be a great time probably but I just I don't think that the Newcastle end product is quite as good as Burnley's in terms of getting that ball into the box and finding Chris Wood and getting the ball into him holding up so, so I do worry that for the money paid and, and the outlay of the deal they're not going to get what it's worth and it's not actually be that much of a benefit for Newcastle now we're in there is a little part of me that wonders how much of the ability to directly impact the relegation rival played in Newcastle signing Chris Wood. Um, if you're going into those negotiations without a release clause, it becomes a lot more difficult because it's then about how much you value that player at the time. And if you're sitting Burnley in 20th and you get the team in 18th coming knocking on your door, you're going to up that valuation to about 50 million to scare them away. But that release clause being met, you know, it, it, they're there for a reason, which obviously protects the the individual if they want to move on. Um, Newcastle activated it and, you know, you can't really stand in, in the way from them. Um, so I, I do agree in that I, I think he, he will struggle more. And this has probably been not his worst season at Burnley, but... You always felt like Chris Wood was a threat, but it, it kind of almost seems like Burnley 
not moved away from their format that works so well. But two years ago, signing Maxwell Corday would not have, you'd have thought, what? So when McNeil was kind of the only creative force to, to bring anything, and it was all about work ethic and, and battling and second balls at Burnley, and it was an effective model. But, you know, maybe they've gambled on potentially trying to become more expansive and more free-flowing, and that hasn't suited Chris Wood necessarily. So, and I, I'm... I don't know if it quite suits Newcastle either. You know, you, you think about players they have. Yes, they're quite pragmatic at times, but I do worry, as, as you say, as to how he fits in in the forward line with Wilson, St. Maxman, Willock. There's no doubt they've got some very good individual players at Newcastle. It's how they bend in as a team. And do they try and play more to other people's strengths in Callum Wilson when he's back fit? St. Maxman likes to drive and run at players. Um, Joe Linton has absolutely come into his own in a more deeper midfield role. Um, so they, they, they could thrive, but at the same time, they could struggle. Um, and as I outlined earlier, my player to struggle, um, who I'm perhaps a bit worried about, is Matt Target. Um, I, I just, I think a player who's maybe perhaps low on confidence at the minute, being replaced by... Um, a arguably more rounded and better fullback, it does make you question certain things. And then it could go one or two ways. The breath of fresh air could really reinvigorate him as a fullback, or it could dwindle him further down potentially, and, you know, arguably in a worse team. You know, um, I think with St. Maxman ahead of him, in similar to Grealish, it could bring out the absolute best in him, but then those defensive frailties next to him. Uh, it could perhaps mean he struggles. Um, I, I do. This is kind of 50 50, as I said, because moving somewhere else can make a massive impact or it can make things worse. Um, and I, I just feel like Matt Target may be in that worst category just based on the team that he's going into. One of five new signings to bed in. Um, is likely going to have Dan Byrne next to him. I think is is definitely a potential upgrade on having Tyrone Mings next to him. Um, but I just don't think he quite will have the all-round attacking input that he wants at Aston Villa at Newcastle with those players around him. Um, but what do we know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it probably depends a lot on, on how Dan Byrne gets on and Sort of the great thing with Grealish was obviously he was roaming around and, and I think St. Maxman really does play, not in terms of the way they play it, but it is pretty similar in terms of St. Maxman is the, is the kind of outlook for them in terms of creating chances. So it, it is it will be interesting. I, I just think Matt Target's a decent Premier League left-back, probably clubs like Newcastle and Villa Warriors level. Obviously Villa looking to kind of get top seven. I don't think he's going to play for many top seven teams, but he seems hard-working enough, decent enough that, you know, he wouldn't be anywhere near an England squad, but he probably will play in the Premier League for the next five, six years. So I, I don't really feel worried about Matt Target joining Newcastle, but I think it I think it could work all right. I can see I can see Matt Target um playing for like Fulham next season, back at Fulham next season. That, that that's a hold on to that one. When he when he joins Fulham <laughs> next season, I'll be very smart. Well, yeah, that, obviously we've had that discussion, but any any about Matt Target, have you got any thoughts on extra thoughts on that? Um I think he's a good player. Um, I think, you know, we, we all thought he was good, whether or not he's had the same form this year. Um, but I, ju I just think anyone going to Newcastle, I just don't 
I don't think it's going to be good for their career. I, I personally think as much money as they have, and yeah, maybe they're on you know triple what their wage was or whatever. Um, I just don't think you're going into a team that's really struggling, that's desperate, uh, and that's going over a massive you know change in in, in everything at that club at really. So and there's a lot of pressure now with all this money going in. So I think there's. There's probably more pressure on him now at Newcastle than there would be at Aston Villa. So, yeah, I'm not sure about it. I think he's a great player, but I think every move to Newcastle at the moment is a bit wrong. I don't know why Trippier went there. As much as you can say it's this, that, and that, I think it's money as well. So, um, I think he's a good player. Thankfully, it's only a loan move for him because I think he might regret it else. There you go. I mean, there's a couple other ones that obviously I I couldn't talk about the Aaron Ramsey ones. Rangers, I mean, bloody hell. Aaron Ramsey to rip it up in the SPL. I thought that was one of the best transfers at the whole window. And then obviously how nice it is to see. Uh, no, I don't think he's, I don't think he's no, ready. I, don't think he's I didn't ready. think so. Uh, but I mean Christian Eriksen back in football as well, back in the Premier League. Hopefully that goes in. Because I mean that, I mean I was tempted wow. to put it in, but obviously we don't know how he's gonna how he's gonna fare in terms of obviously with his health and stuff, but hopefully it goes well. Because I mean Christian Eriksen playing for Brentford. Wow, you know, that would be really amazing. Eriksen back in the Premier League is just a side for the hold, really. It's going, to, it's going to be really interesting, but that was the first podcast in a while. Felt good to do that. If you want to watch us, we're, we're on YouTube, 1-2Football, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all that. You can also check out 1-2Football.com for, for the latest articles. Thanks for coming. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to leave a like, because we, we need to get some more likes on YouTube, views on YouTube. You know. But also make sure to follow us on Spotify to get updates of our latest podcasts. And that's it. See you next time.